The following program deals with a controversial subject. The theories expressed are not the only possible interpretation. Viewers are invited to make a judgment based on all available information. This is your captain speaking. We are beginning our descent into madness. And we are back to another edition of West of the Rockies. I'm Frank. Thank you guys for sticking around. I know it's late for some of you, but boy, do we have a really, really exciting show lined up for everyone tonight. Genevieve, how are you doing over there? I'm doing pretty well. Thank you very much. Of course, as usual, excited and... This we got one, this one. This is going to be intense. So we got we got a, a very very uh, fascinating topic, and, and we got an equally fascinating guest, if I may say so myself. I'm quite excited to talk about it. And a quick shout out to everybody in the chat room, everybody listening through uh, iHeartRadio, and if you're catching the uh, the podcast version of the show, cheers to you too as well. I want to send a special shout out to uh, Ross. Courtney and Ace out there. I got a I got a nice little message from Ross. He, you know, saying how much he loves the show. Thank you and, so uh, much and for he's your gonna postcard be, this yeah. week. And he's enjoying the show tonight with some uh, some uh, homemade moonshine, I believe. I hope he doesn't oh, get upset. Oh no way! Yeah, that I'm putting that. And I'm I, and getting I think, upset. <laughs> I think a few listeners are actually enjoying the show tonight as well with with a drinky drink. So cheers to you, folks! I hope everybody's having a great evening. No, but I want to give a real shout out to the, our little Christmas card we got from them. Um, yeah. it, it was a genuine antique postcard oh yeah yeah I think it was I, it, it was San Francisco. Of the, the go- do you call the it the golden, golden bridge golden gate gate okay the golden gate the bridge. golden gate bridge um san francisco it was a lovely little postcard that yeah. that courtney found <clears throat> in a in a vintage an- antique shop yeah i almost felt so you know i felt so special that she wrote on an antique postcard i would have been one of these people who doesn't want to write on it you know yeah yeah i know i know no so th- thank you so huge much. shout out to them and huge shout out of course to everybody tuning send in send us more gifts <laughs> <laughs> amazon wishlist on the one anyways um without further ado we got an excellent guest tonight. i'm really excited because genevieve you know i'm all about this kind of stuff right here tonight oh gosh, we're going yes. we're gonna go pretty deep tonight so i'm gonna let you do the honors as per usual to introduce tonight's guest if you will all right well tonight we'll be interviewing anthony patch now uh, mr patch is a researcher of um cern and you know the lhc large hadron collider as well as the author of two novels entitled covert catastrophe and diamonds in the rough um they're both fictional but they incorporate um you know non-fictional elements drawing you into that sphere of of knowledge which i think is it's great i mean yeah. that's a perfect way to introduce people to a topic they are not knowledgeable mm-hmm. about you know um following a career in paramedic out of oakland um california he embarked upon to over 20 years of research covering various topics including ancient history archaeology biology medicine meteorology philosophy quantum physics and religion today we'll be talking to him about CERN, the lhc as well as its connection to saturn and the possibility that it could perhaps open a portal to another dimension so with that i have the absolute honor of welcoming anthony patch onto west the rockies mr patch can you hear us okay Everybody's coming in great. Thank you very much. This is uh, fantastic to be with you guys out here on the wet 
finally, West Coast. <laughs> right? Because yeah. that's a bit strange. <laughs> True. We're really excited to have you on tonight. I mean, you you researched so much. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how to work my microwave, but you've done a lot of research into some really heavy stuff in this whole CERN situation in particular and the Large Hadron Collider. Uh, before we go in too deep, because I know that a lot of people like myself, we kind of see the headlines every now and then popping up on our news feeds about CERN, that CERN is doing this, that the Large Hadron Collider is doing that. And sometimes the headlines sound a bit scary. Sometimes the, the information within can be a bit confusing. So if it's okay with you, Mr. Patch, why don't we do a little bit of a, of a CERN uh, Large Hadron Collider 101 type of thing. And let's just go through some um, basics uh, real quick. So why don't you tell us what CERN and the Large Hadron Collider are? Yeah, this is the uh, largest, most expensive and sophisticated machine in recorded history. Uh, it comprises several particle accelerators. Uh, the largest one that most people have heard of is a large ring that's 27 kilometers uh, in circumference and also covers two countries, spans the border between France and Switzerland with the headquarters in Geneva, mm -hmm. and the machine, the particle accelerator, is 300 feet underground. Wow. Is there a reason in particular why they put it in the border of France and Switzerland? Did they have a reason for it, or was just that the place that they could put this thing? Well, it's a great question. Yes. In fact, if we look at it in terms of ancient Roman history, mm -hmm. it is located directly over the ancient Roman uh, site of worship or temple to the... Uh, sun god Apollo or Apollyon. Oh, wow. And oh, wow. the theory goes that it is perhaps over the um, the doorway to the abyss. Oh, man. Okay, so we're, that, we're that, already... That, that's amazing. I mean, <laughs> This was supposed to be like the, the 101 part of the show, but just so that our listeners get an idea of, right the, <laughs> of the ramifications of, of this thing. Uh, before we go in too deep, as I can already tell that this topic is going to go, uh, who runs this thing? Who's in charge of it? Well, this is a uh, literally a multinational uh, project. There are 44 core nations that are involved. This crosses over all political and religious boundaries, and virtually all of the predominant countries of the world are financially and scientifically contributing in a collaborative fashion mm -hmm. to their collective agenda. Is the U.S. part of this uh, a group? Sure, absolutely. We have been really from the beginning, which was in 1954 when uh, ground was broken uh, in Geneva, and they began with, of course, smaller experiments mm -hmm. and moved on up from cloud chambers to particle accelerators. Another word that, that gets thrown along with CERN and the Large Hadron Collider is, the, is this whole Higgins boson, and known as the God particle. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how that relates to what's going on over there in, uh, with uh, CERN? Yeah, this fits into their overall theory and theoretical model of the Big Bang. Mm -hmm. And the, according to that theory, just after the singularity exploded, there was the production of a elementary or elemental particle known as the boson, the Higgs boson, after Peter Higgs, who theorized this and then eventually... Uh, so they say, and I tend to be very contrarian to the things they put out for public consumption, but the theory goes that in 2012-2013, they were able to reproduce the moments after the Big Bang mm -hmm. within this collider and realized and detected 
um, pretty much mathematically detected a elementary particle called the Higgs boson, and it was labeled by the media as the God particle because it you know, kind of moves back to the time of creation, so mm -hmm. to speak. Before we continue, just to give uh, the folks at home an idea of who we have the pleasure of talking to with tonight, Mr. Patch, you obviously know a lot about CERN and, and all of these things. Where do you get your information from? Well, everything is based upon research papers that are published by the mainstream scientific community. Mm -hmm. um, my process is one of translating the arcane science in this particular area of physics, translating the physics into a comprehensible and digestible format so that people can wrap their heads around what is really going on in the world of science, mm -hmm. which oftentimes is not uh, illuminated or released or put out in a transparent fashion to the general public through the mainstream media. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny because as I was getting familiar with your research into CERN, it's very similar of, to the to the vibe I got when I was researching Jack Parsons and the JPL lab and all this, you know, where science enters this dark area where it's almost like, a, um, I don't want to use the, the, the term magic too loosely, but that's almost what's happening, right? It's almost like where this magic and science meet almost. It really is. And I often say that you cannot separate the physical world that we experience from the spiritual world. And yes, the overall agenda we'll get into talking about is that is one that is driven by the occult practices, hmm. beliefs of the secret societies. If people want to hang the label of Illuminati on that, then that's fine. I mean, hmm. that's applicable. Definitely Jack Parsons, was um, part of that satanic group, that satanic group of worshiping Lucifer. Mm -hmm. And this year of light that 2015 has been um, so designated, that is the problem. This is an occult-driven scientific endeavor. Oh, wow. And obviously, this wouldn't be the, the, the first time uh, that we hear something like this. Even in Nazi Germany, Hitler was quite infatuated, if you will, with uh, occult societies, mainly the Thule Society. And there's a lot of research out there for the folks at home that maybe want to look into the, this Jack Parsons and what the Nazis were doing. But let's go back to, to CERN. You were saying that the location of CERN is very strategic. Why don't we take it from there? As you were saying that it's in the exact location of a Portal? Well, it is theorized um, due to the uh, coming together or the conjunction of ley lines, the magnetic mm -hmm. ley lines on the Earth, mm -hmm. that this also not only is located at a nexus of or node of these ley lines, but mm -hmm. also what is theorized in ancient history in the Roman and Greek times as the, uh, the Roman god Apollo, mm -hmm. the sun god Apollo, had a temple, the Romans had a temple of worship for the sun god, and it is theorized that that was the gateway to the abyss in which the demonic world resides, and the machine, CERN itself, the LHC, the Large Hadron Collider, mm -hmm. appears to be the key to opening that abyss, oh, and wow. thus releasing the entities from the abyss into our dimension. It may sound like a silly question, but why would they want to do that? Well, it's not a silly question, and in fact, um, this is what a lot of people are beginning to awaken to and mm -hmm. realize, that there is this occult agenda, and you have to ask yourself, why, yes, why would you want what we would consider to be um, our enemy, the right. evil ones, coming into our realm? Um, 
these folks that are driving this, and I have nothing against the physicists and mm-hmm. scientists and engineers working at CERN, but they are suffering under a delusion. And it goes back to the original lie from the Garden of Eden, mm. in the sense that Satan deceived Adam and Eve, deceived mankind, and one of the deceptions, one of the promises was, ye shall be as gods if you mm-hmm. eat from the tree of life, if the tree of knowledge, that you will gain knowledge that really we as mankind were not supposed to have. Yeah. So they are suffering under the delusion that should they acquire these entities mm-hmm. from the abyss, they they will achieve godlike status. In other words, mm-hmm. immortality. And they believe that these entities are benevolent. Oh wow! That's the deception that they're suffering under. Wow. I have a quick question, yeah. and I I hate to just suddenly butt in, but I love I love keeping up with these things, you know, in physics and chemistry, and. The micro black holes have been at at the foreground of the news recently and science. How do they directly tie in and why were people on one hand so excited about them and why on the other hand were they so worried about them? Well, black holes have never been proven to actually exist. One of the things in science is it needs to be measurable and reproducible in the laboratory. Uh, Even Dr. Stephen Hawking has Mm -hmm. come out and changed his mind changed his position and said that black holes are not the issue mm-hmm. because they've not been proven. He's now more concerned about vacuum bubbles being created by this machine that would instantaneously envelop not only the Earth but change our entire universe. Mm-hmm. So he has stepped away from the discussion of microscopic or even macroscopic black holes because they really don't exist, and that's not the okay. issue. That's not the concern. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I was just going to say that we're obviously talking a lot about biblical accounts. Do you ever encounter people that say, well, you know, I'm not Christian, so I don't believe anything you say? Or how would you explain this to somebody that maybe doesn't necessarily believe in the Bible? Well, sure, I, I can appreciate that. I'm sure I do get a lot of emails and comments from people when I do public speaking along those lines. I'll take for an example, um, outside the headquarters building, at CERN for the Large Hadron Collider is the Hindu statue to the god of destruction known as Shiva. Right. Now you have to ask yourself, why would there be an occult symbol? Why would there be a symbol to the god of destruction posted at this machine? And that leads you down the rabbit hole to looking at other areas within the operation of this machine and also the people that are behind it. Um, earlier this year, there was a video produced by CERN called Symmetry, which was nothing but occult ritualistic dances and symbolism, mm-hmm. basically outlining not only the dangers of this machine, mm-hmm. why they would put that out is beyond me, why they would even you know, present it in a dangerous fashion, yeah. but they did, and it also indicates their publicized goal of opening a dimensional portal. They are overtly saying we are trying to open gateways Mm -hmm. to other dimensions. Put that together with the God of Destruction and you begin to ask yourself, is there more to this than simply physics? Very true. Um, Personally, I 
I'm a Christ follower, but you know, I know that a lot of our listeners maybe not necessarily agree with that. So it's I just wanted to uh, kind of put this in in that kind of a light. And it also reminds me of Jack Parsons and I know uh, Adolf Hitler and even the Egyptians. They were fascinated with contacting these beings or these uh, angels or you know whatever you you want to call them to obtain knowledge. So it's no surprise, I guess, to see something like that happening to this day. Uh, before we continue on, on the, the heavier side of the topic, uh, another aspect of this, is there any dangers with activating CERN? Like lately we heard that they were going to do tests at the highest levels, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, what and, are the and dangers of... step back in, yeah. Yeah, so what, are there dangers activating this thing and using it? Well, we've seen a dramatic uptick in just the last couple of years of earthquakes and mm -hmm. volcanic activity. And even in the last few weeks, if you're following some of the uh, the uh, websites out there that track earthquakes, um, apart from the governmental reports, but there are a number of people that are doing some fantastic independent research and tracking of earthquakes. Mm -hmm. CERN is producing through its electromagnetic lines of force, and they have three sources of electromagnetic uh, lines of force mm -hmm. that are generated by this machine, but in short, they're generating gravity waves, gravimetric waves, or what might also be called in the world of Tesla, scalar waves. Mm -hmm. And therefore, these are waves of energy that are traveling across the planet through the crust and the mantle and are hitting some of those areas that are weak spots, the tectonic plates where they're joined, and they're causing the triggering of earthquakes and also more volcanic activity. Mm. So most definitely this machine is, has earth effects. It also affects our magnetosphere, the shields around the planet. This is the magnetic sheath that protects us from mm -hmm. cosmic energies. And it is definitely causing that to change in shape and weakening it. It almost sounds uh, like HARP, the collection of antennas that they have that uh, sends all this electricity into the atmosphere. Uh, it almost seems like it's that kind of a device that has that amount of power, correct? Or probably more. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, the LHC you can think of as HARP on steroids. And oh, there wow. are a number of HARP facilities around the planet. Mm -hmm. And these are heaters. They heat up the ionosphere. Uh, there are a number of applications. They can trigger... Um, uh, earthquakes. Mm -hmm. There is a strong belief and connection between what happened in Fukushima to harp activities. But right. That's another rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. But in essence, think of the LHC as a uh, ionospheric heater, much like harp, but hugely, hugely larger scale of energies that we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. So it makes the harp facilities pale in comparison. They do have their applications in terms of affecting the uh, not only the tectonic plates, but also our weather. And that's primarily what they're used for is weather modification. But oh, wow. what we're talking mm -hmm. about with LA, the LHC mm -hmm. is the work of Tesla that mm. was stolen in his last days, his last days on Earth mm -hmm. and taken and hidden from us. Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing at CERN is the application of most of Tesla's hidden technology. 
So are you saying that potentially the uh, Large Hadron Collider and, and CERN as a whole, could that be, uh, as a lot of us have heard uh, over the years, the patents that were uh, hidden away by J.D. Morgan and, you know, they took all of Tesla's patents and hid them away. Um, are you saying that potentially these, this could be one of those many uh, things that he was working on? Yeah, in fact, multiples of his inventions, his ideas and, and processes are being played out. They've been employed in the construction of the LHC. One of the things that we can go into is the idea that Tesla was tapping into the ether. In mm. other words, the plasma that surrounds us everywhere. The plasma that surrounds not only the planet, but exists throughout the universe. In the gravitational model of the universe, which is the Big Bang, this mm -hmm. is what is put out for public consumption. They talk about, in physics, dark matter and dark energy. Well, if you flip mm -hmm. that over and go to the Tesla model, which is the electric model of the universe, mm -hmm. there is no such thing as dark matter and dark energy. What we're talking about is electricity yeah. and plasma in the universe. And that is what they're employing, but they will not tell you that they're employing Tesla's technology. They'll keep talking about Einstein's mm. gravitational model of the universe and what they're doing. So think of it this way. There are two camps. Uh -huh. one, is, um, one is Einstein and gravity. The other is Tesla and the electric model of the universe. Mm -hmm. The electric model is the real model. Um, and, you know, I, I've heard a bit about this, but could you pinpoint, you know, in layman's terms, what's the difference? And I get a feeling that they're just basically trying to, by, by using the term dark matter and dark energy, they're trying to leave an air of, you know, mystery and basically get out of telling us something. What, what's the difference? What, what changes things for us? Sure. Well, think of the world of physics, the, the physicists and the engineers as the, the priests. This mm -hmm. is a priesthood. Yeah. And they like to use their arcane language of words and terminology and mathematics that the layperson doesn't really have access or comprehension of. So they're able mm -hmm. to cover up what their real activities are. And part of the cover-up is to speak in terms of black holes, dark mm -hmm. energy, mm -hmm dark matter without mm -hmm. revealing what they're really employing, which is electricity and the research and the utilization of plasma. And we'll talk about plasma and Saturn in a little bit. Mm -hmm. but they don't want us to know the tools that they're actually using. And again, these tools are used in an occult or hidden fashion. That's what the occult actually means or is defined as, is the, the hiding of practices or the hiding of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so they are purposefully putting out for public consumption the gravity model, which means that the universe, the planets, the orbiting planets, the movement of comets and asteroids, all has to do with gravitational attraction. Hmm. However, okay. what it is is magnetism. Think of magnets. This is mm -hmm. attraction of heavenly bodies to one another through electromagnetic forces which are 10 to the 37th power stronger than gravity. Mm -hmm. yeah. If you take one unit of gravity and one unit of electromagnetic lines of force or magnetic attraction, magnetism is 10 to the 37th power stronger than gravity. So it's a falsehood to think that the universe operates on a gravity model when, in fact, you have a much stronger force 
an electrical force that is actually responsible for what we see in the heavens. Wow. I have a brief out there <clears throat> tangent question. All right. Do you feel or do you believe then that authors, mainstream authors such as Dan Brown, he talks so much about antimatter. I mean, he, make, he makes it sound exciting and fun. Um, mm. it, do you believe that there might be authors like that placed out there to, you know, give false information? Absolutely. Disinformation and psychological operations, another way of talking about public relations, is, is definitely at play here. Mm. So mm -hmm. we are seeing disinformation that's put out. In fact, I think you were alluding to at the opening of the show mm -hmm. that there was some false information put out recently about the Large Hadron Collider mm -hmm. in the form of people saying through remote viewing they had seen a cataclysm, in fact a nuclear mm -hmm. meltdown having occurred within some of the detectors underground yeah. in the LHC. That was completely false. I came wow. out immediately with a video, a couple of videos in fact, uh, debunking this and saying that there has been no cataclysm at Geneva, at the mm -hmm, LHC, yeah. and that this was, in fact, a disinformation campaign, and that CERN is operating normally. So there are falsehoods that are put out there uh -huh. for the purpose of tracking psychologically through alternative media and through social mm. media, tracking yeah, who yeah. is participating in the conversation. Talk about nefarious. No, no, no. I, I, I mean, I, I can't even formulate a question right now because I'm still <laughs> thinking about the answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Mr. Patch, uh, there has been talk, and I remember seeing a bit about this, and I, wanna, I wanted to ask you what your thoughts are. Uh, as we were talking about earlier, what happens when they activate the LHC? And some people were pointing to, to the crash of uh, the German wings plane. Apparently, there's some strange circumstances. Some witnesses claim to have heard some explosions, and it wasn't the you know the plane didn't really crash. It wasn't really an accident. Uh, and some people were linking it to, to CERN. Is uh, the LHC capable of interrupting the, the flight pattern of a commercial jetliner? Is that a concern that we should have? Well, I was uh, with your friend Clyde Lewis, and I was glad to see that you know you had a show with him, and also with Ron Patton. Yeah, And and we talked about this you know, earlier this year, back in, I think it was April. Mm -hmm. Think of it this way. Um, we had one aircraft that was affected. Yeah. If we're talking about gravimetric waves moving through the planet, specifically moving through um, granite mountains, mm -hmm. which essentially is what the Alps are composed mm -hmm. of, mm -hmm. and they are semi-conductive of electrical current, you would have many more aircraft affected than a single aircraft yeah, yeah. by a gravimetric wave, which spreads out over a vast area. So to say that the LHC was producing gravimetric waves that affected this particular aircraft, I don't think we can make that correlation. However, the correlation that I do draw, and I can't say that it's from CERN specifically, because I don't think it is. Mm -hmm. We're talking about a distance of about 100 miles between the LHC and the site of the crash. I believe there was a directed energy weapon employed in taking down that aircraft. Oh, wow. um, the aircraft, the bodies, the parts were pulverized. Um, the crash hmm. site did not appear to be much like you would find with, quote, an ordinary crash or a bomb exploding or even yeah, a missile yeah. taking out an aircraft. There were two distinct 
eight-second explosions that were heard and witnessed by local villagers and reported to the authorities. Mm -hmm. That sounds to me as if a, a directed energy weapon pulverized this aircraft much like a scalar weapon, scalar energy weapon would do. So basically, wow. I know this is not something you can ask accurately, but what do you think the percentage chance of that is? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, how how certain are you of this to the people listening? Uh, Well, I can only look at the physics. Mm -hmm. I can only Mm -hmm. look at the evidence. Of course, yeah. Can I put a percentage to it? I would say there's probably a 10% chance that what I said is factual and the rest of it is conjecture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I can only look at the evidence and, and right. connect the dots. I don't mm-hmm. have any any source uh-huh. in terms of where the weapon was or exactly yeah. what type right. of weapon. No, yeah, yeah. It really opens up to some very scary possibilities that there are weapons really really powerful weapons out there they but at the same time there's this part of you that that just wants to believe that a single pilot wasn't so reckless as to want to kill right. those people you know there, there's something so unhuman about that yeah. to just want to kill all these not as in to not care about yeah. killing them you oh. know what i'm saying so i don't know if it's a better sure. option but mm-hmm. it it makes more sense. It's uh, it's funny because I think we got on a on a German wings flight probably like a month after that. And oh, I was like, Frank was oh, not oh, happy. Boy, yeah. He was like, is, there, is this is this is this the is this the airline? I'm like, yep, it I was is. Like, Darn. Um, <laughs> when we you know we go talk ahead about direct energy weapons. Yeah, real quickly, we're talking again about Tesla. Those uh-huh. that are familiar with Tesla's work know that he was he'd actually produced a patent for a directed energy weapon. So, again, we're talking mm-hmm. about Tesla technology being employed in this particular scenario. Mm-hmm. It's a crazy, crazy world out there. Uh, Mr. Patch, when we come back, I want to get into this connection with Saturn and the occult practices that you mentioned earlier and what they're going to try to do or they've been trying to do, really, uh, apparently, and talk about some more of the occult aspects of this, because the ramifications are, to me at least, they're, they're, they're a bit scary, but we're going to try to get all the information out and hopefully make some sense of all the madness. So, uh, Mr. Patrick, if you'd be so kind to just hang on the line for me uh, just a few minutes, and we'll see you on the other side of the break. Very good. And uh, for all our friends listening on iHeartRadio and, and uh, chatting there on Ustream, hang tight. We're going to play a few tunes. I actually got some uh, music that I think it's appropriate to to the topic of discussion tonight. And actually, uh, this is one of my favorite songs. Uh, it's actually an instrumental track by one of my all-time favorite guitarists, uh, Joe Satriani, which actually sad story. Not not that it happened to Joe, but Steve Vai, you know, one of his students, he was playing at the Wiltern here uh, over the weekend. I think it was Saturday. And somebody stole his guitar, like a one-of-a-kind prototype guitar. So, Check Facebook, uh, check out the picture. If you know anybody that took the darn thing, uh, tell them to get it back. Come on. That is not very cool. But do enjoy this one. This is Joe Satriani. The song is called Light Years Away. This is West of the Rockies. I'm Frank. Genevieve is here. And we got Anthony Patch on the line. We're talking some crazy stuff. So don't go away. We're going to be right back. Enjoy the tunes. Here we go. West of the Rockies. What's up, guys? This is Jorge Diaz of Paranormal Activity, The Marked Ones. And you're listening to West of the Rockies with Frank 
This portion of the show is sponsored by Haunted Orange County, your premier source for all things haunted in and around OC. From haunted history ghost walks to ghost group hunting expeditions at some of SoCal's most haunted destinations. Make your fall plans early and book an upcoming tour or investigation today. Visit hauntedoc.com. We are back to the second hour west of the Rockies. I'm Frank. Thank you guys for sticking around. We got we we're 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 knee deep into this, and I think uh, we're about to go neck deep into this. As always, I'm Engineer Frank on Twitter, West of the Rockies on Facebook. Don't forget to follow the show at WOTR Radio on the Twitter there, and check out the website WOTRRadio.com. Uh, you just heard little uh, little Satriani, some Soundgarden, and of course one of my favorite little bumpers. Dave Navarro there doing the uh, little West of the Rockies jingle. Check out his new documentary, uh, Morning Sun. Uh, amazing. Uh, I was left speechless. You can go to our website and check out our review of the uh, uh, screening and the Q&A. They happen after. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just an amazing. If you haven't seen it, definitely, definitely add it to your must-watch list. I'm joined, as always, by Genevieve. Genevieve Uway on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Catch her here every Thursday nights, 9 p.m. for no added flavors, jokes, facts, music requests, and a whole lot more. A whole lot of laughs. And of course, uh, our guest tonight is Mr. Anthony Patch, uh, author and researcher. Let's talk about the author part of uh, Mr. Patch. You publish uh, two novels. Uh, one is called Covert Catastrophe, and your second one is called Diamonds in the Rough. Can you tell us a little bit about these novels? Sure. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, the first book is what I call a buffet of topics. It's mm-hmm. introducing areas that perhaps the reader has never encountered before and Hopefully it will trigger some thought, some curiosity to do research on their own in those areas. And these are fast-paced adventure novels. Uh, the second one gets a little bit deeper into artificial intelligence, quantum computers, and also the Large Hadron Collider mm. and world events. And it's all overlaid with Navy SEALs being involved in this fast-paced uh, action-adventure series, which is a trilogy in my third book. I hope to have out by January. It's called Coalescence, and it'll mm. bring it all together. Very cool, very cool. And uh, people can uh, check out more of uh, Mr. Anthony Patch by going to your website, correct? AnthonyPatch.com. That's Anthony, P-A-T-C-H.com, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Awesome. Uh, no, no need to thank me. I, I'm a big fan of, of this uh, researcher doing it. I think it's great. And um, truth be told, I haven't read your novel, but I look forward to, to picking up a copy soon because it definitely sounds interesting. It's right, right up my alley, and I'm sure it's right up the alley of many other people uh, listening to us tonight. Uh, now, I teased it before the break. Now, I'm, I've been given, I'm sorry, the <laughs> green light that now... Now we can we can do this poem, and Mr. Patch, you sent you sent me a link to a poem that's found on your website, and I mean I thought it was quite quite clever, quite smart, and definitely fitting of the season. But why don't you tell me a little bit? What's the deal with that poem? What's the story? Well, this is uh, you know the night before Christmas. It's a takeoff, and it employs uh, physics. So some of the terms in here may not be familiar to people, but a good friend of mine, Tracy Garner 
sent this to me, and it was completely unsolicited. It was a great gift from her. I think she's mm-hmm. extremely brilliant in what she's come up with. So Tracy's work, I appreciate you highlighting it tonight. It's our pleasure, and uh, uh, Genevieve has a reputation for reading things. I don't know why. Poems for some reason. Yeah, uh, people send random things sometimes to, especially your show, actually. You get a lot of read this. So we're, we're definitely going to let Genevieve do that, and I even have a little bit of music to go with it. So oh, no, this is a great poem. Believe me, we're, we, we, we got into this. We got into this. So let me let me make sure we got everything working here. And uh, Genevieve, your cue will be the music. Bibaldi usually plays the Four Seasons. But tonight, Vivaldi is branching out. So, here we go. T'was the night before CERN, when all through the lab, not a proton was stirring, so it was really drab. The magnets were hung by the, cil- by the cylinders with care, in hopes that a startup soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of Higgs bosons danced in their heads and Mama in her kerchief and in my cap just settled down for a long inert nap. When out on the lawn there rose such a clatter I sprang from my bed to see if it was antimatter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new fallen glow gave a luster of midday to objects below. When what to my wandering eyes did appear, but a particle accelerator and all its magnetic fear was a little old driver so lovely and quick. I knew in a moment it must be Peter Higgs. More speedy than light his courses they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Alice, now Atlas, now LHC Beauty, on compact muon solenoid do your duty. To the top of the collider, to the top of the wall, now smash away, smash away, smash away all as dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly when they meet with a mansion bound through the sky. So up to the synchrotron, the courses they flew, with the strangers aglow and Peter Higgs too, and then in a twinkling they met their gold, while is, was it the portal and strange matter of a big hole? As I drew in my head and was turning around, I was afraid I would be sucked in, pound for pound. I didn't want to become a tachyon or gluon or quark, but I was noticing things were about to get dark. A bundle of protons he had smashed all in glee. He said, it is the year of light, as in, let there be. His eyes, how they twinkled, his smirk, how droll. I knew in an instant this experiment had taken its toll, for they made it up to 14 TV. They had found the god particle, Nimrod would be pleased. The stump of a pipe Higgs held tight in his teeth, and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. I noticed the sky had rolled back like a scroll. Is it Revelation 6.14? Has Jesus saved your soul? Higgs couldn't believe. He couldn't cause a big bang. Then he shook and he laughed. Then a trumpet rang. I felt myself in the twinkling of an eye, leaving Higgs behind with all of his nuclei. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the colliders with more protons to jerk. He then realized masses of people were gone into the black hole had them been drawn from heaven aloft we looked down on geneva all who were left none were believers and i heard jesus say as we flew out of sight i'm the only one who can declare let there be light that's very good <laughs> that was i really enjoyed that poem <laughs> no that is that is uh, it's really great i mean uh, talk about like i said it's, it's a really clever poem because uh, trying to 
make all this kind of CERN and Large Hadron Collider and physics poetic. lingo poetic. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, quite a feat. So definitely uh, uh, shout to out Tracy, yeah, to yeah. Tracy Gardner for that. Uh, a really great poem. And thanks to uh, Mr. Patch for sending it our way. No, it's definitely great. And like I said, quite appropriate for the season. Uh, Mr. Patch, uh, before we get into it, I wanted to get your take on, on talk about a current event, right? The news came out this week or, you know, a news story came out this week that apparently some um, interview out there had a, a video of uh, himself interviewing Kubrick before he died saying that he faked the moon landing. I was quite hesitant when, when the news came out at first and, and it turns out that it was indeed a hoax. But what is your take since we're talking about, we're, we're going to talk about Saturn here in a minute. So on our way to Saturn, let's make a quick pit stop on the moon. Do you think uh, the, the moon landing was fake? Do you think we really got up there or do you think we got up there and what they showed us is not really what happened, which is what I, I am inclined to believe? Uh, myself. Well, yeah, I did read that satirical piece as well, and I had a good good laugh. But <laughs> there was a piece that was done a couple of years ago, which compared side by side on video the studio shots of the movie 2001, mm. the opening scene in particular with the apes uh-huh. and the throwing of the uh, of the bone, the femur up into the air that turns into the space station. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting that there are some. Uh, special effects and some backdrops and studio images that correspond very closely to the same images that were broadcast um, uh, from the moon, supposedly from the moon. Mm-hmm. I am leaning quite a bit towards the direction of saying that it was fake. Okay. I believe Kubrick was given the money mm-hmm. to fake it so that he could go on and film his other movies, such as 2001. Yeah, I think I know the documentary you're talking about, and I think it was in that same documentary. I hope it, it is. Uh, but I think there was a part where they said that the, the trade-off, so to speak, was that NASA was going to let him use a special camera. And I do agree with you that, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised, put it that way, if it turned out that Stanley Kubrick right. indeed helped fake the moon landing and what a lot of people saw unfortunately it, it, it kind of like that movie capricorn one right <laughs> that you know it was it was all like a a, a set etc and it's funny because i even see this kind of trickle into the modern pop culture because uh, i think it was in the second installment of the transformers movie they show the astronauts in uh, on the moon and they find this down i think it's some kind of down craft and then the uh, one of the uh, directors in in the earth command says you know okay switch the feed and then they switch to the uh, tape landing and um, i thought it was interesting because for the longest time that was my impression of it that you know if something if we got up there and something happened what we saw was definitely not not it uh, but yeah, and I'm continually fascinated by the, by the whole thing. But let's hop back on our spaceship here and let's talk about Saturn. You talk about some really, I mean, a really interesting connection between the Large Hadron Collider, CERN, and Saturn. Can you tell us a, a, a bit about that? Yeah, in a nutshell, and there's quite a bit more to this, but um, I have looked at the scientific research and I've looked at the machine's capabilities and drawn the conclusion that their goal is to reconnect electrically mm-hmm. Earth and Saturn. And they will do that by way of what are known as Birkeland currents. These are naturally occurring in the universe, but they are going to generate Birkeland currents, creating what I call a plasma conduit mm-hmm. extending from Earth, from the LHC, 
to the southern pole of Saturn. Mm-hmm. And the reason that they're doing this is because they want to return to what is known as the Golden Age, a mm. time when the gods existed. And they do believe that their entities, their leadership entities, mm-hmm. yeah. reside or are trapped within a prison cube within Saturn itself. Now, that's not my belief. I'm mm-hmm. echoing what research I have found. They want to release these entities from Saturn and allow them to travel by way of this conduit mm-hmm. back to the abyss, mm-hmm. unlock the abyss, and bring these entities into our dimension. We're oh, talking wow. about an interdimensional connection. Wow. Okay. So um, let, I, I, let me. Let, hang on. <laughs> you got us. You got us. You got us. You got us here, uh, Mr. Patch. So basically, what you're saying is that they're they're activating the Large Hadron Collider to free, I guess it's, it's the word I'm going to use at least for now, to free these entities that are trapped in Saturn uh, that I... will come down and free the entities that, that are on Earth, I guess, under the Earth or in subterranean uh, layer of the Earth, to bring those out. And that is all part of this occult uh, plan or, or ritual in a way, basically, correct? That's correct. And as a fellow Christian believer, I take my guidance from Scripture. Mm-hmm. And I look at what's going on in particular with Revelation 9. And we have heard and we've seen scripture about uh, the fallen angel mm-hmm. and the opening of the abyss and all of these end time scenarios. But when we look at the physics, we also look at the occult spiritual aspects. These mm-hmm. folks are worshiping the black sun. This goes back to the Nazi swastika. Right. Your reference back to the Nazis. They worship Saturn. When we talk about occult worship and the Nazis, they worship Saturn. This is going on today. This is what the Illuminati worship. So they are worshiping their ancient times or ancient gods, and Mm -hmm. they're trying to unlock that prison planet. And once they've done that, now I'm going to give you an exclusive. This is new research that I've uncovered in the last few days, and I've not presented this anywhere else. But Mm -hmm. once they have unlocked this prison planet and achieved their goal of bringing these entities, they intend to take this former dwarf brown star, which is what Saturn really is, Mm -hmm. and reignite it. They want to create their own version of the sun, and they want to create their own version of heaven on Earth. Oh, wow. This is what Lucifer is all about. He wants to mimic what God has created by way of his own creation, mm-hmm. and I call, I call this his hubris. This is what he is full of. He's full of himself. His hubris, his own self-deception, is that he thinks he can create his own son and his own version of heaven on earth, so he wants to ignite this former dwarf brown star into a son of his own making. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I, I, I can't find the specific spot in my notes right now, but I, I vaguely remember you saying that, um, you know, the, the Large Hadron Collider is essentially an, an imitation of, was it specifically the Southern Pole North of... Pole. The Southern or Northern? Northern Pole. Northern Pole. Okay. Northern Pole. So it, it's, it's, it's essentially an imitation. I mean, it, it's a direct attempt at trying to recreate what what they believe is a type of power they can't normally harness. That's correct. The northern pole of Saturn, people have seen the uh, NASA images taken by Cassini, the mm-hmm. uh, spacecraft Cassini, of a hexagon shape. And the close-up 
um, images reveal contra-rotating clouds. Yeah. These are energy clouds, specifically synchrotron energies. Mm -hmm. The same energies that are produced in the Large Hadron Collider are synchrotron energies. These clouds are moving in opposite directions, just like the particles within the collider. Mm -hmm. And these are generating these energies that also induce Birkeland currents, a twisted helix of opposing charges or a positive and negative line of electrical energy mm -hmm. that's in the form of a DNA helix that mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. generated at the North Pole, moves through the core of the gaseous body of the planet to the Southern Pole, and at the Southern Pole, it manifests itself as a blue spiral Mm -hmm. identical to the one that we saw over Norway. Yeah. You know, it's funny because as we as we talk about this, uh, I'm reminded, and, you know, I, I always try to give credit where credit is due, and, and I, I can't remember who said this, but, uh, but they said something along the lines that it doesn't matter if you believe it or not, what you should be worried about is that these people who have power and control and influence in these higher spheres of power, you know, in our world, politically and financially and industrially and otherwise, believe in these occult practices and uh, I think that that's something that, that we would do good to keep in mind I guess as we continue this conversation that you may not necessarily believe in everything that Mr. Patrick's saying or that we're saying uh, but you should be concerned that the people who are behind the scenes running these things believe <laughs> in some of these very dark and occult philosophies and ideas. Before we, we go back into that level of discussion, I, was, I found an article earlier today where it seems that CERN has attempted, at least, to bridge the gap between science and religion, obviously calling uh, something the God particle and saying that they're trying to prove that the universe was created through the Big Bang ruffles a, a few a theological feathers out there. And I was reading that Andrew uh, Pinsel from Oxford University, he's uh, from the uh, Ramsey Center for Science and Religion, said that CERN is trying to turn society into uh, a machine and that science in isolation is great for producing stuff, but not so good for producing ideas. Is that how you see? I know this is a little bit more of a benign um, theological Casual aspect. Comment, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I think you're right on track because really we're looking at a technocracy. And eventually we're going to see technology as the dictator of the world. Wow. This is moving towards the one world government, of course, mm -hmm. the one world religion. This is the beast system. Now, one of the things that's tied to CERN is what is known as the adiabatic quantum computer. This is a computer that uses qubits instead of transistors. Mm -hmm. This has the equivalent processing power of 7 billion human brains. It is artificially intelligent. Wow. It operates interdimensionally, and it will be responsible for initiating the opening of this interdimensional portal and maintaining the stability of it and the connection between Earth and the Saturn due to this inter interdimensional connection. So we already have the beast computer system that is artificially intelligent, wow. that is capable of achieving everything that we have seen in the end-time scriptures. Mm -hmm. So it's all right here, right now. The point that I like to leave with people in terms of um, speaking uh, philosophically or, if you will, or in a religious aspect, mm -hmm. certainly in a Christian perspective, yeah. this machine is glaring evidence of occult practices in the flesh, so to speak, and therefore one needs to make a choice. 
You can go to the light or you can go to the dark. You can go with Christ or you can go with Satan. Mm -hmm. This machine is nothing more than a satanic chunk of technology mm -hmm. wow. employed by Satan, designed by Satan, initiated by Satan, from the original lie that you shall be as gods mm. and achieve immortality. And that's what they believe they're going to achieve with this machine, is that godlike status. And therefore we see DNA research that's associated with us, we see transhumanism, mm -hmm. we see hybrids. Yeah. There are a host of subjects that I cover in my books that are all spin-offs from mm -hmm. CERN. Um, very, very briefly, uh, just as an, uh, you know, an overview, what do you mean with this operates interdimensionally. Well, interdimensionally, this is the goal that they have put out mm -hmm. um, openly to the public is that they are seeking other dimensions and other worlds. Right. Yeah. From the physics standpoint, the research that I have looked into is that they are trying to achieve higher and higher levels of power through these collisions that take place. They're colliding heavy ions of lead yeah. at near the speed of light to generate much higher levels of power than they've ever achieved before. Mm -hmm. That means in a, in a practical sense is they're trying to tear the fabric of space. Yeah. They're trying to break the nuclear bonds at the quantum level between quantum particles um, known as quarks and gluons, mm -hmm. otherwise known as strangelets. And in the generation of these strangelets, which mm -hmm. they openly talk about, that's the power source for breaking the fabric of space to put it in the wow. general terms, so that they can breach and reach into another dimension utilizing this machine. Before we, we go into the topic of dimensions, which I am terribly, terribly fascinated with, um, there is a question on the chat, and, and uh, I have a follow-up question uh, after that. The question comes from Tony Merlo in the chat room. He wants me to ask you, uh, what do you think about humans being microchipped, and is that the mark of the beast? Um, the mark of the beast are nanoparticles, nanotechnology. We have all absorbed and inhaled nanoparticles for several years due to aerosolized spraying and GMO foods. Oh, we have nanoparticles in, our, in us rather than the microchip. Mm -hmm. And the nanoparticles are dormant at this point. They will be triggered um, through the use of microwaves and therefore that will be the beast system. You will be given the choice mm -hmm. through free will to accept the mark of the beast or reject it. Um, that is something that I believe occurs post-rapture. I'm a pre-tribber, mm. okay. put it in a, in a phrase. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that is something that people will have to make a distinct choice in the matter. If they accept the mark of the beast, then they will be susceptible to what I call the flipping of the switch at a DNA level and your DNA and your mind will be changed, and therefore you are forever separated from God, no longer a creation of God, and therefore God does not recognize you as his own. Wow. Jeez. That, that's some deep, deep stuff right there, Mr. Patch, <laughs> I must say. Uh, uh, no, you're really, you're, you're blowing my mind right now. Let me, um, t um, while I gather I my thoughts... <laughs> Um, I can't remember the exact um, number, but um, this year when they restarted the LHC, they they did up their, you know, the, the terror electron voltage. Um, was it from 13 and they upped it to 20 something or they upped it from something else to 13? I can't quite remember, but what's the significance of, of that? I mean, is that 
something we should be worried about? Well, I think we should be concerned about each level of power that they achieve. Um, they have achieved in uh, April of this year uh, 13 tera electron volts. Yeah, yeah. The okay. machine is capable of 14 tera electron volts, but back in October 23rd, I put out a video and went on to a number of shows uh, speaking of the fact that the machine is actually capable of one teta electron volts. Now oh, we're into the wow. quadrillion instead of the trillions of electron volts. Oh, wow. And this is something that CERN never talked about. Mm-hmm. And three weeks later, they came out through their own website and admitted that they had achieved one peta electron volts three oh, weeks wow. after I came out with that information, revealing what it, they're really capable of doing. What we're talking about here, I'll put it in a very short frame of mind or, you know, reference. Mm-hmm. If you take, if you take, um, a billion protons, I'm not talking about lead at this point, which are heavier and denser, but we're taking mm-hmm. lighter particles, which are protons, and you collide a billion of those at the speed of light or yeah. near the speed of light together, you produce about 556 kilotons of TNT for every billion particles that collide. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're talking about massive amounts of energy here. Yeah. We're not talking about just one billion. We're talking now about quadrillions of particles being collided together. Mm-hmm. And therefore, massive amounts of energy that are being produced in the form of strangelets. And strangelets are the most powerful substance, the most powerful mm-hmm. explosive substance in the known universe. Wow. And that's what they're producing now with the higher levels mm-hmm. of one peta electron volts using ions of lead. Now, they're only putting on their website that they're producing 13 tera mm-hmm. electron volts, mm-hmm. but they have admitted openly that they have hit one peta electron volts. Oh my so God. they are dealing with massive amounts of explosive force now. In the uh, wise words of Dr. Emmett Brown in Back to the Future, great <laughs> Scott! Uh, seriously. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, I, we love, I'll, I'll tell you real quick, we love pop culture here. We cover it quite a lot because I'm one of those people that believe that it's through pop culture that a lot of information gets put out there, almost trying to prepare us for the future, if you will, so that when certain things come to pass, we'll be like, oh yeah, it's just like in the movies, you know, like Minority Report. Oh, they're going to start, you know, arresting people before they commit a crime. Oh, just like that movie. Yeah, it should be all right. That's what I feel the, the role of pop culture is. And at the same time, I like to have a lot of fun with it. But mm. uh, that being said about I, pop I'm culture. I'm wondering briefly, why lead? Why not one of the slightly heavier materials? Is it just because it's, you know, one of the heavier metals? Is that just because it's it's more easily available? Well, it is the densest material mm-hmm. uh, that naturally occurs, other than talking about isotopes, artificially created heavier um, materials or new elements. It's uh-huh. the most common naturally occurring element in the universe is lead. Mm-hmm. It's also obviously very heavy and very dense. So you're able to create or release much more energy from these collisions. You're not creating, you're actually releasing energy in the form of breaking the nuclear bonds between quantum particles. And the quantum particles are what are being released in these collisions. And these are now head-on collisions. The previous collisions were done 
roughly at a 45 degree angle, a crossing of the streams, if you will, yeah. of protons, much lighter particles. Now they're able to achieve much higher levels of energy mm-hmm. utilizing lead, and therefore they're able to tear the fabric of space mm. and time using these levels of energy. Yeah. But, w- but why not, you know, uranium or plutonium? Is it just because they're too expensive and difficult to control? Sure. Well, lead is inert. It, it's not radioactive. Yeah. And therefore, it's much easier to control. Part okay. of what is going on here is you have to have a very clean particle that doesn't cause a lot of disruptions within what they call the pipe or the tubes that these beams are passing through. Mm-hmm. These are beams that are... Uh, these are particles, I should say, that are accelerated using microwaves, radio frequency microwaves. And that in conjunction with having to have a very clean, inert atmosphere within the pipes, mm-hmm. you can't put radioactive materials in there because it'll be too disruptive, not only to the detectors, but also the magnets themselves mm-hmm. that are controlling the pathway or the trajectories. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Mr. Patch, uh, before we, we go on to uh, talking about dimensions, when we're talking about Saturn and creating some kind of portal or means to bring these entities back to Earth, I read that you also referred to it as Jacob's Ladder. Is that how you see the, the, the biblical account of Jacob's Ladder as a good illustration for what they're trying to do? Or are they literally trying sure. to do the biblical Jacob's Ladder? Well, Jacob's Ladder is much like the Greek and the Roman and the Sumerian and also other cultural Mayan and Aztec and Native American Indians representations in their stone Mm. carvings of what they observed in the heavens. Jacob's Ladder was um, actually electrical currents, those Birkeland currents I mentioned. Mm -hmm. In the electric universe model, when we had um, Saturn in close proximity to Earth, we also had between... Saturn and the Earth, Venus and Mars. These planets were all in direct alignment. Earth was at one end, Saturn was at the other. They were all electrically connected, Mm -hmm. and that electrical pathway, that conduit that I talk about, was visible. And that's what, in the ancient times, they called a ladder, because it actually, from the perspective of one standing on Earth, Mm -hmm. it appeared as a a narrowing stream of plasma that extended up to Saturn. And it it looked like a stairway disappearing into the heavens. And that's the origin of the myth of Jacob's Ladder, even in the Bible, is that this is the retelling from the ancient times, going back almost Mm -hmm. 600,000 B.C., to what humans were observing in the heavens, which were electrical discharges between the planets. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's some really mm-hmm. really interesting interesting uh, information there. I'm going to I'm going to look into that a little further cuz it, it really is fascinating. Um can I give you one quick shout out mm-hmm. for, for you and the listeners? I want to give credit as you do to um, those that have come before me. Uh Thunderbolts project. If they'll type in Thunderbolts project, mm-hmm. they are the ones that originally put together this whole theory of the electric universe. Now, they're gathering mm, okay. from ancient times, but in modern times, they've put together the model of the electric universe. People should go there and see the illustrations, and they'll see what I'm briefly introducing you to. But this is what Saturn is all connected to, is the electric universe model, 
and everything that I have said so far fits right in with their theory. I'm not a spokesperson for them, but I'm giving you the paraphrase, I'm giving you the thumbnail sketch of what they'll find at the Thunderbolts Project. The Thunderbolts Project, we'll be sure to check it out, and we'll, we'll include a link on our website to that once we post this interview. Let me ask you about dimensions real quick, because we've talked about them here on the show. We've talked about ways that people have access to them. Some, you know, I've, I've dared to try myself uh, as a, you know, as a, sort of like my own personal guinea pig, who better than myself. But everything has been said about opening or accessing another dimension through means of meditation or ayahuasca or DMT and other certain uh, psychedelic compounds and and obviously through rituals, etc., etc. So it's the Large Hadron Collider and the CERN project trying to access the same dimensions that I hear other people talk about. Because a lot of times when you hear somebody talk about they had an encounter with or they enter or they access a higher dimension through meditation or what have you, they talk about it in a very positive experience, you know, that the entities that they encounter are quite positive and they tell them that it's all love and it's all about love and it seems to be a pretty peaceful message. But is this the same dimensions that we talk about when discussing CERN? Yes, it, it, we are talking about the same thing. Essentially, if we take our cue from the Bible, from Scripture, we understand that who they're communicating with on an individual basis, whether you're using DMT or anything else, you're talking about demonic entities. Anything okay. that is being presented in a positive fashion is deception. The father of lies uses everything from beauty to the ugliness to present his way and to deceive people and to move people away from God. So it may be a pleasant encounter, but that's all deception. This is nothing more than accessing pure evil. This is area, these are areas we are not supposed to be accessing. So what they are doing physics, through physics, through a machine, through technology, people can do on an individual basis. Tesla even did this. So think of a large-scale opening to the demonic realm that has never been achieved in modern times. We have lost the spiritual capability of doing that that the ancients had. And a lot of that has to do with the destruction of the Tower of Babel mm -hmm. and the confusing of the languages that we're all familiar with. So what we're talking about now is replacing skills that are lost at a spiritual level for communing with the other side, mm -hmm. utilizing technology to do that on a massive scale to let in massive amounts of entities into our dimension. I've heard about this stance on things like that, and I must say that I find it quite compelling. Uh, I should plead the fifth at this point, right? But <laughs> <laughs> Plead all of them. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I had an experience like that. I, the first thing I told uh, the, the person I was with was, I feel like I just saw something I wasn't meant to, um, and I felt like if there was a forbidden fruit in the tree of knowledge that tree must have been high on dmt because i feel that's what adam and eve must have experienced and listen i i don't know uh, how you see this but i feel that all of this knowledge we will come to it in due time and uh, maybe are we rushing the one thing about cern that worries me is i feel like we're playing with toys that are too big for us and perhaps perhaps we are 
rushing. Is that how you see the world in a way with all of these things? I agree with you completely. I, I, unfortunately, drugs like DMT or substances like that open open the user up to um, possession, demonic possession. It's a gateway drug, if mm -hmm. you will, to use an old trite phrase, but mm -hmm. um, it makes one susceptible to the um, you know the coming in of a spirit that you don't want to invite into your world into your life. This machine definitely is something that if you were to talk to the physicists that are involved, they'd say, oh, this is all great science, and yeah. they're not worried about it. But you talk to people like um, Dr. Stephen Hawking and others like him, and they're very concerned that we are playing with things that we should not be. He said specifically to dimensions, he said, you do not want to open this doorway to another dimension because mm -hmm. you're not going to like what comes through, and that's almost <laughs> verbatim what he said. Wow. So this is definitely a dangerous machine. Is God going to allow it to continue? Well, there is a school of thought that says that um, God is going to allow Satan to um, exhibit every type of evil so that mm. there can be no future claim that, there, that not every evil was realized. Mm -hmm. But we know that he has but a short time. We know the end of the story. We know that this is not going to end well for mm -hmm. Satan. But this is a choice. This is a time of choice, as I said earlier, for people. I'm not a preacher. I am simply mm -hmm. saying that the reason that I think I've been led by God into this world of physics and to reveal what CERN is doing is so that people will understand that there is a hidden world that they don't appreciate that is covered up by popular mm -hmm. culture, even though it's predictive programming, yeah. and they need to stop and make an assessment as to these end times and make a choice, and they need to make the right choice, and that is to go with Jesus Christ. I'm super interested to know how you feel, you know, Mr. Stephen Hawking fits into all of this, because you obviously have, you know, a really in-depth knowledge of physics, and Stephen Hawking, you know, he doesn't say that aliens or other entities don't exist but he he says that they they're not really involved with this world but you you seem like you obviously respect him how do you feel like he fits into this well he comes from an atheist point of view perspective which i respect that's mm -hmm. fine but he he does acknowledge because he knows the information that tesla knew okay they both know that there are entities that are providing information to people in this realm Mm -hmm. And that's where this advanced technology is coming from. It is coming from the other side. Mm -hmm. And Hawking knows that, and he acknowledges the spiritual world, even though he's not necessarily a believer in God as we would portray God, but he does understand that there yeah. are other entities that do exist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny because you mentioned Ron Patton earlier in... Um and one of the uh, the papers that I read, an excellent article, really, that I read by uh, Mr. Ron Patton, and I believe he published this like in 97. Um, in this article, he talks about how the Egyptians were in touch with these beings that gave them, you know, all this knowledge. And the same thing happened with the Mayans and how these civilizations have ceased to exist. And we were talking about the Nazis, and, and there's people that believe that they were contacting beings from a, a different planet that was giving them information and technology. And uh, obviously, you see it with Jack Parsons. So again, there is precedence for the stuff that we're talking about. Um, and I just wanted to make a point of that. But basically, 
what Ron Patton was saying is that these civilizations disappeared after that. Is that a risk that we run nowadays with all the stuff that scientists, for example, in CERN are messing with? Yeah, I believe that they are going to be successful. I believe that God is going to allow them to be successful to open the bottomless pit, and I base that on the book of Revelation, mm -hmm. and that this will come out during the latter three and a half years of the seven years of tribulation, the great tribulation in the last half. Mm -hmm. So um, the employment of technology is going to be used in their mind successfully to open the bottomless pit, but it is not a success that we would want to be around to witness, because these will be um, creatures that will make men's hearts fail at the sight of them. Wow. That's right out of Scripture. Wow. Mm -hmm. If we may go back to Saturn for just a quick moment, we're having a, 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 believe it or not, little discussion here on the side about Saturn with Genevieve. <laughs> because, you know, one of the things for me is that I'm inclined to believe that, for example, Mars at some point uh, sustained life. And there's people that believe that we are descendants, you know, and for the people that maybe this is the first time hearing about this, buckle up, folks. Because, yeah, this is something that a lot of people believe. And again, like I said, I'm inclined to believe this to, to a certain extent. There's people that believe that there was civilization on Mars. And then some people believe that, that we somehow are descendants from that civilization. So I guess my question is, why Saturn when, you know, there's been a lot of focus on Mars, they finally said that there is water on Mars, something that people have been saying for years in, in some of the, the these alternative news uh, shows and websites and whatnot. But why Saturn? Is it just because those entities are trapped in that planet? Yeah, because um, Mars was originally associated with our sun, whereas Saturn and Earth were not. Mm. Saturn and Earth were in their own... Um, they were, they were connected. Earth was in the plasma, if you call it the heliosphere, the plasma environment or envelope mm -hmm. around Saturn. And the two of them moved into what we call our solar system now. Mm -hmm. And prior to Saturn and Earth coming in close proximity to the sun, Mars and the sun coexisted in their relative positions. When Saturn entered the picture, it caused such a massive disruption mm -hmm that there was a stripping away due to electric plasma discharges between Saturn and Mars, mm -hmm. that all of the life in the atmosphere on Mars was stripped away. Mm -hmm. Now, it's possible, I'm not going to say because I don't know for sure, right. mm -hmm. but it is possible that there was human life on Mars, and that seeded our planet. Mm -hmm. There's the theory of panspermia also, that we are from, you know, our ancestors from the stars. Mm-hmm. So it is theoretically possible that right. at one time Mars was in was habitable by human beings. Oh wait, no, I, no, I thought I'm, Genevieve no, had a question. No, 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 it was <laughs> just like there originally the the question stemmed from uh, a bit of a back discussion about you know I was wondering why Saturn and I know it's a very um, material question, but you know Saturn is as many gaseous. Some parts are metal because they're so dense, but I understand that demons are not necessarily material beings, but it, it just made me wonder why Saturn. Well, I think we have to look at the occult beliefs and the origins of those beliefs, and those mm -hmm. origins come from the ancient time, 600,000 BC, when Saturn first entered into the viewpoint of mm -hmm. human beings that were alive at that time on the planet, and so goes the theory. And therefore, 
um, Saturn became a point of worship mm-hmm. because it came in and disrupted what originally was um, our form of life on this planet. Okay. Saturn and Earth were together, as I said before, but mm-hmm. our atmosphere was quite a bit different. Saturn was our sun when it was a dwarf star. Mm. It was our sun before the present sun. And so, therefore, all down through the eons of our um, recorded history, even mm-hmm. from the ancient times, mm-hmm. it figured hev- heavily in our our lives. And so Saturn predated Mars. It predated our own sun in terms of who we believe. And it's believed that the origins of our gods, those other entities, were given to us, or they originated from Saturn itself, that Saturn gave all life to Earth. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the belief that they have. That's not my own. I just want to get a question from the chat room. Kung Pu is asking, what kind of seven years, when you were talking about the uh, tribulation, I believe, he asked, uh, what kind of seven years, seven calendar years, or seven years of Daniel, or what? <laughs> yeah, seven calendar years. Okay. Uh, we're talking about yeah, we're talking about the seven years of tribulation according to our Gregorian calendar. Okay. All right. And um, I can't find a specific question, but while we're running on questions in the chat, I believe it was KP as well that asked about the tie possibly to astrology, if that has any tie-in with this belief system. Well, astrology in general... Um, Astrology is relatively new. Mm-hmm. I mean, it comes into play since Saturn came into our solar system. And mm-hmm. you have to appreciate the fact that when we were part of Saturn before we moved closer to the sun, we could not see the stars. It was obliterated by the plasma envelope yeah. around Saturn and Earth. It's only when we came in close proximity to the sun that that plasma um basically was neutralized electrically, and then we'd be able, we were able to see the constellations, and that gave rise to astrology. Yes, CERN is tied into the practices of astrology. They do believe in the alignments of the planets, and mm-hmm. many of their activities mm-hmm. at CERN are tied and timed to the positions of the constellations mm-hmm. and wow. the planetary alignments. Wow. That, that's super interesting to know. Honestly, that's... Most people wouldn't believe it. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. Mr. Patrick, I, I know we're running out of time, but I wanted to ask you, are there portals here on Earth that are active, so to speak? And um, the reason why I'm a- I ask is because a few years ago, I I did a bit of research on a portal in Peru called the Amaru Muru. No, I butcher that. I, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually from Latin, you know, I'm from El Salvador, so I speak Spanish and I totally butcher that, so whatever. <laughs> Amaru Muro in Peru. It's this, uh, it's this really interesting rock that has a small space at the bottom where, where an individual can lean and rest their forehead and the palms of their hands on there. And singing these three tones that you get from a shaman, you mm. apparently activate this portal and you can go through. And there are stories by the locals that there's people that have gone in there and never come out. Or there's been nights where they can see that the portal is open and, and you know, yeah, things come out. Um, to your knowledge, are there other places in the world that act like a a CERN that could potentially open a portal. Sure. There are stories uh, surrounding Iraq that we went there for the purpose of recovering a Stargate. 
Mm -hmm. uh, the Gulf of Amman, there's a lot of information regarding naval ships from multiple countries mm. that wow. responded and surrounded what appeared to be a portal in the Gulf of Amman. So certainly there are limited gateways, smaller portals. Uh, I am convinced that there are portals that exist around the planet right now, but they're very small. Mm -hmm. There are individual gateways and stargates, and many of them are not stable. However, what we are seeing now is this concerted effort by all of mankind, not you and me, but basically all of mankind in the world of science, to creating what I call the freeway, mm. the massive portal that will be stable, that will allow this massive movement of entities on a vastly larger scale than any portal that's ever existed or does exist on the planet. I'm really fascinated by this concept of parallel dimensions, and it's funny because these ancient civilizations somehow had knowledge that, well, it really is the next to impossible to obtain with the limited tools and things that they had at their disposal. And I believe, and I will be interested to hear your thoughts, but I believe that a lot of times, you know, here on this show, we explore a lot of paranormal phenomena from ghosts to UFOs and aliens and Bigfoot. And lately, and what I mean by lately is in the last, you know, a few months, I keep finding that more and more people are saying that all of this phenomena is connected. Do you find that this is the case, that all of these yes. different things, and how, in your opinion, of course, how do you think all these paranormal phenomena that happens to people on a daily basis a lot of times is connected? Yeah, what I think we're talking about in that as well as the portals and, and whatnot that you said before, we're talking about the use of frequencies in many cases in the ancient times, the use of sound and frequencies and harmonics were used to open these interdimensional portals. Mm -hmm. That is also being employed by CERN. Now, you have to understand that we have numerous particle accelerators around the planet. We have a lot of research going on in DNA, mm -hmm. transhumanism. We have research in particle physics, of course, all going on. But think of CERN mm -hmm. as the nexus. Think of it as the focal okay. point in which all of the research going on and all of the spiritual aspects of what are going on is all being focused into Geneva. So, yes, they are all interconnected. Mm -hmm. People are having more and more visions. This is, was, you know, presented in scripture that your old men will see visions mm. in their dreams. Yeah. This is all coming together because the technology employed is disrupting already the spiritual world. It's already causing ripple effects. Some want to say that it's causing ripple effects in time, uh, the Mandela effect. That could be. Mm. But the point is, the more that they are utilizing the higher energies at CERN, the more that people are going to have spiritual experiences. Does that make them less genuine? The people that are experiencing these things? No, not less genuine. They're simply, if you will, victims or receivers. They're sim mm -hmm. simply people that are very sensitive and more susceptible, specifically in the physics world, to the magnetic lines of force that are mm -hmm. being mm -hmm. produced by this machine are affecting people cognitively. Yeah. These, this machine is affecting us in our minds. 
Mr. Patch, we're, we're sadly running out of time. Hopefully we can have you back again in, in the future because obviously this, this topic is really broad <laughs> and obviously you're very knowledgeable, not just on CERN, but in a, in a lot of different areas. But before I let you go, here's a question that popped up in my head. All of this stuff is going on and, you know, it's a bit scary when you start talking about it. And my hope with this show is as we talk more about it, at least take the, the fear away that gives way to action. But what can we do in regards to this? Is there any way to prepare? Uh, should we start a petition to shut down CERN? I mean, what is, you know, what, where do we go from here? In simplest terms, it's, a, it's an individual choice. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit provides us with the full armor of God. It is not that we should be fearful of this machine and the technologies and the agendas. I present them again so that people understand what's really going on what's at play mm -hmm. here, and how, how in our face the agenda of Satan really is. Therefore, to take away the fear, you turn to Christ, you accept Christ as your Savior, you become indwelt with the Holy Spirit, you take on the full armor of God, and then you are impervious to all the things that you see that are going on. Does that mean that we won't suffer? Does that mean that perhaps we won't be uh, killed or martyred? Certainly not. But in terms of our soul... We are protected by the Holy Spirit, and we will not be separated from God, as I explained earlier, in terms of the mark of the beast. So yeah. to take away the fear, to be given that sense of peace right now, today, requires the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. Um, I have a question, and I hate to do this because it's, it's a big question, but if you could somehow summarize it. Um, I remember reading or hearing you you know, talk about the, the ancient Hebrew or Sanskrit writings that that are, you know, on on full display at CERN, you know, behind glass, um, some written on parchment, some on animal skin. Um, and they're talking about the year of light, you know, the, the age that's coming. Could you... I hate, as I said, I hate to do this. We're running out of time, but what's this about? Yeah, these are actually um, ancient rituals that mm -hmm. were written down by different generations. The Sumerians, the Babylonians, there are Chinese, there are Hebrew writings. These are all talking about the year of light and the use of sound and harmonics, as I said earlier, mm -hmm. to open mm -hmm. the portal. If you will, in a nutshell, these are the instructions on how to open the interdimensional portal. Oh, wow. Talk about ending them with, with a big No, I have bang. so many questions. No I, 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 no. I hate interviews <laughs> like this because I, I, I want to ask more. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Patch, you've been terribly generous with your time and gracious with all your information. And, and I want to thank you um, most sincerely for this because I'm literally here. I, I, I broke into sweats. I mean, we're talking about some really heavy stuff. And you've definitely done a lot of research and, and you're helping a lot of people get a, a good grasp and a better understanding about all this. People can go to your website, correct, to learn more about you and your books, and, and that is anthonypatch.com, correct? Yes, sir. And uh, again, I think the books will be, you know, instructive for people while they're also being entertained. Um, we tonight, and I thank you again for having me on, we just, just 
barely touched on the subjects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's so mm-hmm. much depth to go to. I'd love to come back on and, and answer oh, more questions. Oh, we would love that. Definitely. We're, we're going to set a date uh, here in the near future. Possible, yeah. <laughs> as soon as possible. Um, I'm sure people would love to have you on because we, we didn't even ask half, half of the questions. Yeah, but yeah, half my notes are, are still uh, there. <laughs> uh, Mr. Patch, thank you so much. I mean, what can I say? This has been informational and, and with a very hopeful message attached, which I think it's probably the best way. I mean, terrifying, but... (laughs) (laughs) But there's hope. Uh, Mr. Patch, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Thank you. Have a great night. God bless. God bless. Have a great night. Good night. Wow. No, I'm I'm not kidding. I'm sweating. I'm I'm actually fanning myself here. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't wear an Eskimo coat. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but it was a cold day here in, in LA. Rain too. Oh That's no, new. I totally <laughs> like I totally had so many questions to ask. I literally had like two pages worth of notes. No, it, it was a fast, I am, fascinating I am so fascinating interview. Peed off that I couldn't even ask all of them. Um if our, our listeners and our friends missed any part of this show, do not fret. We're going to try to have the show ASAP uh, up on the website and uh, available through all our listening platforms, you know, Spreaker, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn. Sign up for you. all that. Thank so, you for the questions. Yeah. Some really, I mean, with topics like this, there well, were some we, really great questions. I, there was a lot, you know, there were a lot of comments. We couldn't, we couldn't. Put yeah. them all in because I had more comments than you did. So no, believe me, I think we were all kind of trying to to to, to fight so for uh, time so here with uh, Mr. Anthony it Patch. Was, it was when you get a feeling that someone knows what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. When someone has studied their physics and their chemistry yeah. and you know their basics. Yeah. Let's face it, you're more inclined to go along with them. You believe them. And yeah. th- this guy sounded like he, he, he knew yeah. what he was talking about. So you naturally feel the need to ask him more and more. Yeah. KP in the chat room said, uh, had a great time. Uh, many happy thanks to Mr. Patch. Uh, Professor Miranda says he was such a nice and respectful he guest. He was, absolutely. He was quite the gentleman, quite the gentleman. So definitely check out the website, anthonypatch.com. Like um, Sour Patch Kids. Like that. And, that's the only thing uh, I that's, think of. That's your reference. Okay, <laughs> that, that works. And uh, and definitely uh, check it out. And like I said, if you miss any part of this interview, um, you go to our website, WTRradio.com, in the next day or so. It should be up there. And don't forget to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Uh, like I said, we're... And uh, subscribe to... Uh, what's it called? YouTube. But thank you guys for listening. It has been a, a ton of fun. I, I have a lot, a lot of thinking to do after this interview. It's the type of interview that I enjoy, as most interviews are on this show. You know, just engaging and thoughtful and get the brain juices flowing. So that being said, guys, take care. Be safe. God bless. Don't do anything too crazy. We want to see you back next weekend for that. Genevieve, thank you for being here. Thank you. At Genevieve U. Way. And right here, every Thursday night, 9 p.m. <laughs> with no added flavors. I really don't think there's a point of saying that because no one can spell it. You may as well just, just say blah, 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 Go blah, to the blah. website, you'll find the name. <laughs> as always, Engineer Frank on Twitter, on uh, right there, and uh, West of the Rockets on Facebook. Don't forget to follow the show at WOTR Radio and check out the website. All right, I talk too much. Let's go with a really cool song that I like by a band called Space Hog. This one's called In the Meantime. And, you know, because we just came back from space. We went to the moon. We went to the sun. We went to Mars. We went to Saturn. And now we're landing back safely here on Earth as people prepare to well, grab some Z's. Probably a little story. 
That was nice. Yeah, you liked it. Like Take that. care, guys. We'll see you next week. Enjoy. West of the Rockies with Frank the Engineer on the Independent FM, Los Angeles.